everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on this gloriously snowy and soon-to-be-wet and gushy day. Soon to be 70 degrees. Soon to be 70 degrees. And it's President's Day weekend. I'm so proud. You should be. Well, we have a segment that is going to be. Well, actually, I'm proud because I just saw Barack and uh, Michelle Obama's portraits. That makes me proud. Very exciting. Uh, You can follow us today as if you're listening. You can also see us on Facebook Live Mm -hmm. at Nikki Nellis N Y C C I Nellis N E L L I S. So that'll be fun. Mm -hmm. And our Hollywood producer Tessa Nellis is in here. Doing the filming. (laughs) We got a great show today. So, a Blue Stars family is an organization whose mission is to really bridge the gap, the familiarity gap, and the neighborliness gap between civilian and military communities. Um, We've got Jennifer Medeiros and uh, Sal Khan in. They're chefs who are in the military. Well, Sal just got out of the military. He just got out of the military. December 31st. Jennifer's been in 18 years, and they are chefs, and they work with local chefs. They are going to be working with and uh, have been with local chefs Mm -hmm. like uh, David Guas and um, uh, who else? Robert Robert Wiedemeyer and a bunch of others um, to help really create sort of a community here for military and and, and civilian families. The DuPont Underground, way back when, way back when, when Marion Barry was trying to turn that into the Atlanta Underground, the old tunnels underneath DuPont Circle were the old trolley tunnels. Uh, were turned into some kind of a retail mall, and that didn't work. But that now, failed. It's, but now n- it's an art space. Now it's working like crazy because uh, 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 immersive uh, uh, is it called just immersive? Is that the name? TBD. TBD immersive. TBD. Sorry, has a, a new theatrical production called Cabaret Rising: One Nation Underground, and it's an interactive. Um, Activity it allows the audience. We're going to get members. interactive in studio. Right. That's what's going to happen. So um, uh, the artistic director and director of the of the play, Strother Gaines, is in along with playwright Jenny Splitter. No, no. Dan- oh, yes. Jenny is in. Sorry, Dane is not here. You know what? Right? This sorry. is marriage in in microcosm. I'm sorry, right we here. didn't knock it out. All right. So, so forget the Olympics because mm-hmm. we have a U.S. national champion. Woohoo! In the thing, Bacardi Legacy is a global cocktail competition that's really an homage to signature Bacardi rums. And French Scott Marshall's the head bartender at five to one, and he was he, he just won the U.S. Nationals without ever skiing or skating or anything. Without a lot of work. Can you do a quad? But his mom so. is in studio, and I think she can tell us like all the work she did. You mm. know how important moms are to athletes, right? All the work she did in order to get him to where he is today. She's over there, like I made you, man. <laughs> you are. What You'd you be are. nothing without because me. Your mommy made you that way. <laughs> all right. So, and you guys know about the wharf. The wharf is the hot new spot down on the waterfront in D.C. Um, one of the hottest places there is a place called Whiskey Charlie. It's brand new. It's brand new. It's got a it's great got, rooftop lounge. It's on really top of the, cool. It's going to be the hottest place this summer. The Canopy, Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And bartender Donovan, am I saying it right, Laputin? Yes, correct. I did, correct. Woo-hoo. He's in. You might remember him from Hanks on the Hill if you were sober. And if you're not, <laughs> he won't. And he's going to treat us at some of his uh, signature cocktails and, and tell us all about that. But first... Let's go to our friend Mitch Berliner out there in the cold at one of the Central Farm Is it markets. warming up there, Mitch? Okay, so 
Maybe you guys got into the studio early. Uh-huh. It's like T-shirt weather, and I'm not kidding. Shut up. Everything is, I'm not kidding. It must be like close to 60 now. It's beautiful. We've got you. Yeah, but there's no global warming. Let's not. Okay, let Mitch talk, please. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> you know, it's helping the farmers, so we'll have to just get over to global warming. I, I, I yeah. got permission from Al Gore to say that. By okay. Me. So, Mitch, tell so, us what is at market today. Well, we're loaded. Every All the vendors are out today at Mosaic and Bethesda. The mm-hmm. weather's finally cooperated after about six weeks. Um, we've obviously got plenty of apples. We've got um, cider. The cucumbers are looking fabulous now. We've got tons of food to go. We're just loaded. We've Wait, got I'm sorry. Are these hothouse cucumbers? They must they gotta be. be. They right? must be, yes, right? Yes, they are. Right. Yes, we I are. Mean... We have them from two places in uh, Mosaic. Uh, Twin Springs growing them. I'll tell you how fresh the cucumbers are. The flowers. Oh, are they still, still attached? Looking. Yeah, the flowers are still attached. Most people, if you've only gone to a supermarket, you've never seen that. But well, if you come so to Central Mi- Farm Markets, you'll see it. Mitch, let me just ask you, because I think people, you know, erroneously believe that if they go to a, a farmer's market in the winter, that like all they're looking at is sort of roots and squashes and stuff like that. But it's so different now. So just give everybody an idea of the other things that are there and sort of the fresh produce that's available. Thank you. That's a really great point. I know. I'm um, so good have, at that. Uh, I teeter up Several that. very large uh, farmers, Toygo, Twin Springs, um, and Mox and others. Some are there now, some aren't, but we have a nice selection that have really big uh, greenhouses, and they do uh, both hydroponic and they do it in dirt. So in the case of Toygo, they're doing it in dirt, and so they have organic cucumbers. And Toygo will probably have tomatoes in two weeks. So, Isn't that amazing that there'll be tomatoes yeah. at the market? That's so exciting. And heirloom organic tomatoes. Yeah, I so want that. the thing Me that's too. really driven this, to tell you the truth, is the consumer's. They just demanded, you know, they like the produce. They love the fresh pick aspect of it and the local and the taste. It always comes down to taste. So, therefore, a lot of the farmers said, you know, we'll take a shot at it, expand our warehouses or grow them. We have, uh, I'll tell your uh, listeners, the difference between maybe they heard the expression hoops. Well, hoops and greenhouses can be the same thing, but hoops are not heated. Mm-hmm. This relies on the solar energy of the sun to warm things up. So you can't have your tomatoes per se, but most of our farmers now, all of them, even though the ones that don't come in the winter, mm-hmm. are starting everything in hoops and greenhouses. So they get a big early jump start. Well, cool. along with this produce, I know you got meats, you got you've got you got beer, you got stuff, right? You got yeah, everything. Yeah, we've got well today we have uh hyper local in Bethesda, Twin Valley. Um, distillery. Um, they oh, they're right out of Rockville. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah, exactly. You Wonderful don't have to people. go far to get um, hooch. That's as a good. matter of fact, uh, the gentleman that owns that stood online when they changed the laws mm-hmm. at, all night long so he can have the license and said 0001. <laughs> so he's the first person since um, the Great Depression, I'm not the, the, the uh, Prohibition, mm-hmm. that got a, a license for a distillery in Montgomery County. All right, Mitch, right, we got to move on. Everybody go to Central Farm Markets uh, yeah. at Pike and Rose at Bethesda well, Elementary. We're, well, we're not at Pike and Rose until oh, the, the spring. Yes. Oh, that's right. You're not, that so one's not open. We're going to Mosaic. All right. We're going to Mosaic in Fairfax District in downtown Bethesda on the Bethesda Elementary School. 
And, uh, of course, you can get all the updated information by going to centralfarmmarkets.com. Great. Okay, Thank you, thanks, Mitch. Mitch. Thanks, guys. Have a good time. Don't too. drink too much this morning. <laughs> okay, we're going to try. All right. All right. Bye-bye. But, but okay. He said not to drink too much this morning, but Donovan, let's start drinking. But Donovan, come on. Tell kind of quiet about, in the studio. Tell us about Whiskey Charlie's, Donovan. <laughs> All right, so Whiskey Charlie is the premium rooftop bar done by the Canopy Hotel. It's located on the 10th floor. Um, I believe it has the best view in the city. You can see Maryland, D.C., Virginia. Um, there's never going to be anything in front of it because it's right on the water mm-hmm. um, up there. So we do small, casual bites with um, handcrafted cocktails. And are you in charge of the handcrafted cocktail program? I am in charge. I have some creative. Uh, are you, you know, crafting them by creative stuff? Stuff. <laughs> yeah, of course. So what does that mean to you? Because we have, you know, mixologists and bartenders in almost every week. Right. And everybody sort of has a different take on what handcrafted cocktails mean to them. So of what course. does it mean to you? Um, to me, you know, my family's been in the restaurant industry for about 80 years. No, I did not uh, know that. Yeah, of course. You don't look that old, but that's <laughs> awesome. No, you know, like alcohol is very What's deceiving. Your secret? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Preserve alcohol you. is in your blood, is yeah, that what you're just saying? But <laughs> I was there at the founding of the nation. <laughs> no, but um, at the same time, you know, it just it just adds, uh, you know, a different level of uh, accountability that you have, and it is a profession. It's not something I do for fun. I take it very seriously. Okay. So putting the best possible product forward is what I like to do. Right, well, but I'd like to know that you have fun. Oh, right? I do. I mean, I have in front right so now. Why do you think yeah. he was late this morning? <laughs> uh, uh. Too much fun the night before. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. exactly. <laughs> okay, what are you mixing up first this morning? Okay, so the first thing that um, I'm kind of going to mix up is we're going to go really light. I'm just going to do the Whiskey Charlie Moscow Mule. So we have our own strawberry-infused shrub that we do. Um, shrub is made with a little bit of champagne vinegar. Of course, strawberries is in there and sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of vodka showing... You know, absolutely a little bit of love today. All right, cool. All right, well, you go shake that up. Sure. And then we'll come back to you. We're going to come back to you um, three more times today. Okay. All right? Thank you. So we'll give you a little extra time at the end and then um, some time in the middle. Okay. Thank you. Cool. All right. I'll get started. Thank you. So there's an organization called Blue Star Families. We had a son in the military, and while he was deployed, his family was living out in the world, not on base. And we didn't Ooh, know about beautiful. Blue Star Families. We did and, not. And that probably would have helped them. Um, Jennifer, I want to say it right, Madeiras? Yes, All right. correct. And Sal Connor here. They're chefs. Uh, Jennifer is still in the military. She's in the Air Force for 18 years. Yes. 18 yes. years. Yeah, Amazing. Something. And Sal, Sal? Just, just, he just got out in uh, December, this, end of December. Uh, and how long were you in the Air Force? 21 years. 21 years. It's amazing. That's how long you've been married. It's a long time. Uh, anyway. So I'm going to thank you for your service, but I'm not going to thank him for oh his. God. How about that? My service. I don't care what you went through, Sal. The bullets are still flying. Anyways. Uh, so, but, but these guys work with, uh, uh, with Blue Star Families, and it's really to help service people who live out in the, the, the civilian communities to connect with their neighbors and to connect with each other, too. You do a lot of work with Wounded Warriors. So I'm going to kind of turn it over to you guys to do the 411 on Blue Star Families and what you guys do with it. Okay, so Blue Star Families was introduced to me about three years ago um, through a coworker, and since then I've learned a lot about what they do for the community, which what you said was um, link the the chain between civilian and and military but it does a little bit more than than that i think um it's it's difficult to explain what military families go through until somebody comes to like help you and then it's like the the little things like helping you find the right teacher um for a child who has like um a disability right sure helping you find the right church if say your husband or your your wife is deployed and you just got kind of you know, hoisted into this new place, this new community, and you're trying to just find your way. Um, Blue Star Families is a great tool for that, and and it 
it really just helps people in life in general. So um, with the struggles of military life. So how did you get involved? What is your role in being involved? So I'm, I'm, I had a coworker who was already linked up with Blue Star Families in the mm-hmm. event that they have uh, every year where they um, do like a big award ceremony for um, some of the people that work for Blue Star Families. Mm-hmm. And, and he asked me, he said, hey, Jen, would you like to come and cook for this event? And we'll link you up with a D.C. chef. And I was like, okay. And I was kind of nervous because I, you know, I, I know that some of the D.C. chefs can be, you know, they're, they're all, they all can be very good. They're up and coming. I thought you were going to say they're all jerks. I know. No, no like, way. That's actually, it's like the complete opposite. A couple of them are. Really. It's the complete opposite. So since then, um, so we do, it's like about 200 people come to this event and we, we do small, um, a small hors d'oeuvre or a small dish. Um, and there's about maybe six teams and they're all linked up with, um, there's, one DC chef and one military chef, um, and all branches of service. So it's really cool. Well, so Sal, uh, can we talk about being a military chef and what? I don't know if people really understand what your role is and and how. I mean, one... in the movies, you just see him, you know. Yeah, for right. So every, uh, I mean, but of you're both, in line. If you're not watching on Facebook Live, I mean, you're both here today in chef coats. Speaking I mean, of it, which I'm going to try some of your food. Okay, right um, you know, it is a very serious role. I mean, the chef coat is, you know is made after a military coat. I mean, it's it's based off of the brigade. So how did you get into military, the military chef program, I guess? Well, as a military chef, uh, I first uh, got into it. I was working in acquisitions, and I saw someone in the chef coat and saw the food display, and I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this looks amazing. And I've always been interested in food because I grew up in Trinidad, and my entire family does catering, chefs. And I inquired about it, and I found out that the military chefs work for uh, general officers, and uh, they cook for big events that have foreign dignitaries and foreign attaches, uh, senators, governors. Mm -hmm. And uh, the work that we do impacts global decisions uh, at these dinner events. So just looking at the food display really got me interested in it. And my brother, at the same time, was uh, going to the French Culinary Institute. So it kind of gave me that drive to go Oh, there's a little competition there between you and your brother. Kind of. Okay. All right. We're going to take a quick break. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to uh, Jennifer Medeiros and Sal Khan, who are chefs, military chefs, although Sal just, he just, uh, you know... After 21 years, retired, retired. Uh, and they work with Blue Star Families, uh, which is a great organization um, that really helps kind of, I guess, integrate and merge military families into their local communities. So you were talking before about, you know, how, Sal, you you, you were talking about how, how you got into cooking. Jennifer, what about you? I mean... Where, how did all I just this don't happen? think most people think that they can have a career in cooking in the right. military. You know, you, well, you right. join the Air Force, you're going to fly a plane. You know? Well, I didn't think I could have a um, a career in in the kitchen um, in the military either. But mm-hmm. I, when I joined, I I went straight into a dining facility, which is quite different from this type of cooking, and it's more um, mass cooking. So you're you're dealing with you know the masses. You're making giant vats of mashed potatoes and things like that. There's not a lot of detail. Sure. Um, and so. After about four years of that, I just decided this isn't for me, and I went. I cross trained into, into the dental clinic, and uh, and that definitely after four years of that, I, I kept finding myself doing uh, cooking events and 
And then I had a friend. Are who you came. saying that I can eat this food and then get my teeth cleaned <laughs> no. right afterwards on this show? No. No. Damn, this is a good <laughs> show. Uh, anybody do auto repair? Because okay. no. no, okay, no. No, I don't think. I was, but then I had a friend who became an enlisted aide, and she kept saying, "Jen, you should try this." And I, I guess, you know, that's not for me. And then, about after two years of her bugging me, I finally said, "Okay, I'll do it." And uh, ever since, I haven't looked back. I've been doing it about eight years. Um, so. Well, let's talk about both of the dishes that you brought in studio today, which are they, beautiful and they're delicious. beautiful and delicious because they both represent different things to you. Sal, well, the first dish uh, is a dish uh, I grew up eating in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, pilau, which is a one-pot dish. And I made it with chicken, but you can have beef, chicken, different types of meat. And it's um, started off by brown, um, taking uh, cane sugar, brown sugar, and a little bit of oil and um, melting it down until it starts floating up to make a browning. Mm-hmm. And then you add the rice and the vegetables and cook it all down. Jess, you want to come over here and get a shot of these again? No, she says it's okay. Okay. We got all it. Right. I got pictures of it. So it's thank beautiful. You. And it's and it's delicious. beautiful. Thank and you. then, and the, um, wait a minute, the little shaved almonds and the couscous and all that. Yeah, but Yummy. that's this is that's his. No, no, dish. no, no, no. I'm just talking about. <laughs> I know. I just want dish. you to make sure you're talking about the right dish. That's mm-hmm. all. Okay, and, and let's talk about what you brought. So this is a um, a tagine, which is um, straight out of Morocco. Mm-hmm. That not a lot of people um, eat it or know about it because it's not really something you see a lot in the restaurants um, in America. But it's something that um, I had my first deployment. I was out in Qatar. And I went, I went into a restaurant and I asked for a tangine and, and I fell in love with it. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Cause it was like sweet and savory. Did and I was like, in the big, I didn't even know. Yes. So and it, but it was, it was a little smaller. I have one in the back. Actually. I saw you brought one in. But, um, then I later on went into culinary school and I learned about Moroccan cuisine and mm-hmm. I, and then it dawned on me. I was like, I've had this before. So I sort of became obsessed with it for about a good year and a half mm-hmm. and, um, just delved into like all the different types of dishes that Morocco has to offer. And so this is one of my favorites. Well, it's beautiful. Both your dishes are beautiful. Thank you. For people who, if you're not in the military, can you get involved with Blue Star Families? Is there a way for civilians to really get in? And, you know, our son was in the military and his family, you know, he went off to Afghanistan and she was there with a little baby. I mean, you know, I don't know if she worked with Blue Star Families or not, but is there a way for civilians to... Help with the families and 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 I'll help encourage the introduction. Too. Yeah, and there's a Blue Star Families website. Um, mm-hmm. Is um, it's bluestarfamilies.com and uh, bluestarfamilies.com, and you can go on there and find out how you can contribute. Um, and it's really just about kind of what you're good at or what allow allows your schedule. Um, we're not asking for much, but Blue Star Families is if the stronger they become with the military link, um, the better our communities will be just in general. Well, I think it's I, I do think there's a complete and total separation between military and civilians. And I don't think a lot of civilians. I mean, I, I hope everybody appreciates the sacrifice that those who join the military do make. But I don't think there's a lot of understanding because the military is so massive and they do so many things that I don't think there's a lot of understanding. And I think it would uh, it would help. If everybody had a better understanding of a, what I mean, each around component here, does. it depends on where you live in northern Virginia. The state of Virginia has the largest concentration of retired military in the country, and that makes sense considering where we are. You come over into Maryland, and you know, not so much. You can't find ex-military anywhere, so it really is a good thing. Now, I'm going to mention the March 13 event, even though the public's not invited. But you're doing a big thing with local chefs. You can run off the, the the list of names to just thank some civilian families who have really gone the extra mile to help military families. 
integrate into the community. Right. That's a it's a really big deal, um, and it's it's an honor to to be able to work that event. And it's always fun to to link up with the DC chefs. Um, they're all very talented and very all from all walks of life. So, can you I, run the list? David Gloss, Robert Weedmeyer, the two that I know. There's the list. That's there's it. The, those two. No, there's plenty more, but off the top of my head, I can't. <laughs> it's <tell> okay. <laughs> oh, and Kahlo Armstrong oh, will Kahlo be there Armstrong. too, of course. The whole boy, oh, the the gang will be there. Yeah. All right. Well, we want to thank you both so much for coming in this morning and taking the time to prepare these beautiful dishes. We really appreciate you coming in and sharing your stories with us. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And don't take them away. They're okay. delicious. <laughs> right. Donovan, let's go back to you. Where are you, ma'am? Donovan, this right is here. a little hey. bolt of sweetness hey. in the morning. My this God, like... this will wake you up. A little bit of ginger in there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Whoa. It's beautiful. Thank you very much. So tell us a little bit about the rooftop in general because it's open now. So the rooftop now isn't officially open. Um, okay. The weather hasn't really made us mind up what we have. So I mean, what about have... on Tuesday? It's going to be seventy <laughs> degrees on Tuesday. Well, you know, you could you could definitely enjoy it out there. Our fire pits will be active. Uh, we have a couple different um, just things that we want to do before we actually have people there because there's an outside bar out there as well too. So there's okay. two bars. There's the inside bar, which is very intimate, mm-hmm. and then there's the outside bar, which is probably a little bit more fun. So the inside bar, I haven't been yet. So just explain okay. it to everybody. So it's all like glass walled in, like. So you can have great views inside as well. Sure. So it is um, it's almost a 360 degree view mm-hmm. um, on the inside mm-hmm. because it's all glass. And then we have sliding doors that open up all the way out. So you can actually have free flow in between the patio and the inside bar Oh, neat. Um, that's in there. And how big is it? Is it big? Um, I think we can hold about 60 people on the inside bar, but the rooftop can hold over over 100. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, up there. So you can really see everything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's pretty big, but I'm during the summertime. I'm sure we'll have to tell people, you know, hey, come back in an hour. Or so, because we're going to be doing <laughs> Let all them come stuff. first before you <laughs> take them out. Okay. From where That's you true. are, you can't. I don't think you can. Can you see around the bend to where National Harbor? Of course. And, yeah, and you can see the is? Ferris wheel. You can wow. see. You can see all, all of that. I mean, you guys have to come there and check it out. It's nice. It sounds really great. Thank okay, you. so what are you mixing up next? So right now, since you guys had something a little bit on what I would call the lighter side, um, yes. we're going to do a last word, uh, sticking with um, strawberries, since we seem to like that so much. So it'll be strawberries infused chartreuse and just our take on a very classic cocktail. Let's be strawberries in wait chartreuse infused with strawberries. Yes, correct. Is that a normal pairing? Um. Yes and and no. I've seen it done by a lot of chefs of different gastriques okay. and things of that nature. But the herbaceousness of the chartreuse mm-hmm. and the sweetness of the strawberries really come through. Match. It is. There's also. a phrase: the herbaceousness of the chartreuse. Right. You are a true artisan. And it's a pretty color. Which, which helps, the French so. is back there, like, yeah, yeah, I know that phrase. Yeah, yeah. 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 That ain't, that's nothing. I know. More I know than me. Phrases. More than me. Okay. All right. Cool. So now we're going to talk about the theater. Right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the Dupont Underground. If you're a native Washingtonian, I am. It was famous for being a place not to go a million years ago, back in the 70s, when they were trying to sort of mimic the Atlanta underground. And what you guys now, TBD Immersive Theater, has has resuscitated that area right under DuPont Circle, the old trolley tunnels, and you've created a theater. Um, well, uh, created a space, A right? space and, and, and the theatrical production. Struther Gaines is the director and artistic director, and Jenny Splitter wrote the play. So why don't you guys take it from the top... Uh, 
Brother, tell us about this. How did, first of all, how did all this happen, and how did you end up down there? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a long-winded story, so I'll tighten it up as much as I can. Uh, well, I, we, we got plenty of yeah, time. Then I'm going to keep going. Let's right, do right. it. Uh, so, Have you met my husband? <laughs> I'll just be sitting here eating. I know. I, you've got the food right in yeah, front of me. I'm yeah, like, that's yeah. fair. Thanks <laughs> so much. Uh, so I was directing uh, shows for the D.C. Fringe Festival when uh, an acquaintance of mine, a, a professional colleague, saw a show of mine. She actually coordinates TEDx Mid-Atlantic, and they had been looking to do an immersive after party for uh, their event in 2016. So she approached me after the show and said, hey, we've, we've been wanting to do something for, for TED at the after party. Uh, would you be interested in directing it? And I said I would. We had like 45 days to get it up and running, so I had to go out and I... Uh, found all of the people that I'd worked with in the past, Jenny being one, Dana being another, and uh, Jessica Bylander being mm-hmm. the, the third. Where'd you, said, where'd you guys work together? Here? So Jenny, like it's full circle today for <laughs> us. So Jenny and I worked on a uh, a show for Capital Fringe called The Dish, which mm. was a improv piece that was around it. food. Right, right, right. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're a famous struggle. <laughs> Sounds <Come on>. so great. <laughs> <laughs> So we had worked on that together, and it was uh, people that I'd worked with in the past. Uh, people Dana and I had worked at the Spy Museum before, uh, doing interactive spy stuff, uh, which is a, a that lifetime had to be ago. Fun. It was, yeah, yeah. That was not me. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> that's our improv director. Yeah. Oh, okay. it's, uh, so I was a Segway tour guide uh, for Segs in the City, and I worked at the Spy Museum for a long period. Segs of my... in the City. Yeah, now that's Great a cute pink shirt, and it was a really good gig. Um, but all of these people that I met before, I knew that I couldn't put this together quickly enough without. Out all sorts of help. So I called all of them up and we put it together for Ted and people said, this is a wonderful thing. Are you guys a company? And we had to say, no, no, we're not. Mm-hmm. And then we started talking about what that would look like. And here well, we are. All right. So Jenny, what's your background? Because you wrote the play. Yeah, um, I did all different kinds of writing, but I had my first show was at the uh, Fringe Festival, A Street Housewives, and then wrote The Dish. And we did, that was a, a piece that was part scripted and part improvised also uh, like our current show and so that's kind of how I got involved in immersive theater mostly from Strother pulling me so into it. did you guys it. work together on this piece like did you have something in mind that you wanted to do or did you it's, come to him like how did how did the collaboration happen? It's yeah it's very collaborative I think all this and the creative team kind of got together and talked about the story and and it all of us kind of had different ideas that that came together um, part talking about politics and the and with the in the future and all different kinds of ideas and then also I think for this one especially inspired by the space of going underground and because there's a resistance element in the show it's like mm-hmm. what does the resistance look like going underground and it's set in the future so um, it's like 5,000 year old trolley tracks. Like. <laughs> well, wait. So, you know what? We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, let's walk people through because it's a really interactive experience. And yeah. I think for the uninitiated, that can sound a little intimidating. Mm-hmm. So, I'd love to talk about that and how uh, people can get in on it. Absolutely. All right? This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We're getting really dramatic in studio. We'll be back in just a yes. sec. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to uh, Jenny Splitter and Struther Gaines from TBD Immersive. The new interactive, really, theater um, uh, presentation in the DuPont Underground. Underground. Uh, Jenny, I want to come back to you because I'm a failed and frustrated writer. I've got <laughs> the start. I've got the, I've got the start of more things that will never end. You know, they'll never die because they'll never finish. So when you were writing, is it easier to kind of conceptualize and frame out something like this where you know the audience participation is going to help you flesh it, you know? come um, to the conclusion, and, and direct the story in the end. It's 
it's easier and more challenging. It's just it's more it's just different um, because I think part of it is just figuring out the overall arc of the evening mm -hmm. that there is some kind of a backbone of a story because people will not necessarily get the whole thing, but I want there to be that that structure there. And then as we go and devise it, I also do get a lot of inspiration from the actors who are also improvisers and in rehearsal. Um, they'll do some some different improv exercises led by Dana or Strother. And then that kind of sets something off in my mind, like, oh, so that's the voice. And then I go can, can write a scene based okay, on that. Okay, but so how does it work? Like, how do, you, yeah, <laughs> how do you structure a show that you really don't have entire control over? I assume most shows that you do, mm -hmm. you know, there's not an element where somebody can hook it a different way. Yeah. So when there's uh, audience participation, how is it, like, is there a way it's supposed to, how does it work? Yeah. Explain the, it to me. So we have three different types of cast members. There's core cast, which are uh, performers who shoulder a, a brunt of the story arc. Mm -hmm. So they're the people who are most important. So you have to, if you want to follow a storyline, those are kind of the people that we write for to start with. Okay. And then we have fabric cast members who fill in a lot of the blanks, and they are improv-heavy performers so they're the ones who we've built this huge world together between the divisors and ourselves so it's like dungeons and dragons i mean so we get compared a lot to mm -hmm. larping and dungeons and dragons and world building types of is. things what is L LARPing? live action role playing oh yeah. okay yeah but we do, now I know. wait wait we do that at home right, exactly. i didn't <laughs> yeah. know there was a term for it there now i know term. yeah yeah and that's right uh, have you ever played contestant in the show for <laughs> <laughs> So basically, uh, it is. It's like a choose your own adventure mm -hmm. story. So you go in, and really, who you interact with first can influence where you end up. Uh, which character kind of grabs you at the beginning? Some people will respond. There's a character in the show called Dawn who is a child character, and so some people will just be like, "I need to go take care of that little girl. Like, let me see what's happening with her." And others are big and boisterous and loud, and you go and like follow in with them instead. Okay, so are there rules about like? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean. You know, just like don't touch people. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be some. That's our most important role, right? <laughs> don't touch people, and do you know what I mean? Like, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, we we try to tell them uh, at the before they go into the show. Basically, um, that's also my job at the beginning. <laughs> the world, please don't manhandle the actors, okay. right? You know, turn your cell phones off and keep your hands to yourself. Right. I mean, they can take pictures and like. So it's really it's just the don't touching and don't break things and don't break the world is the mm -hmm. most important thing. And most people are great. It doesn't come up that But often. so is there, I know there's obviously a beginning and there's obviously a middle, but how do we get to the end? The like, last, yeah. The, the last lights thing... go on and it's over no matter what it is? So the la you do have control over the ending. Like there, you get to decide kind of, you know, not to give too much away, but the, you will actually it impact how it shakes out the audience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, at the end, everybody basically gets corralled into the cabaret stage and okay. then the finale happens. And so from the rest of the show, you're free to explore the entire length of the tunnel and interact with anyone oh, this, there. This sounds like a ton of fun. Do you ever have a problem? It's like in a focus group, you'll have the same thing where one person sort of tries to take over. Yeah. You know, yeah. So mm -hmm. you get a lot of that. So what do you do? How do you control the audience? Um, I mean, with I mean Sam, has Sam Nellis been to the show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're in a tunnel. I mean, you just leave any box. Because we can right. name one person who would try I to take over I was the greatest the actor in the history of acting <laughs> until I went into the restaurant business. All right, all right. We try really hard to engage people and get them to want to, you know, play, just, you know, follow the storyline that they want to follow and not sort of to take that energy and, and, and put it into the show and make a great show. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we've been pretty lucky this time i think mm -hmm. so and we have different ways we have also have stage we have house managers 
who can help if anybody, and we have security if anyone right, sure. gets. Right. And worst case so scenario, one of us walks up and says, hey, I'm Strother Gates. I'm the producer of the show. It's 2018 right now, and I'm talking to you, and you're, you have to stop that. Got and it. That's so you a, have yeah, a way yeah, to bring pretty... people back. Yeah, yeah you're the yeah. buzzkill. I, 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 I got it. Yeah, exactly. We've only had to do it once this show so you've far. You've worked so. so hard to create this kind of concept, and I would assume 98% of the people get it and are mm-hmm. in it and love it. But what about, like, the shy person? What about the person who... Like, <laughs> That's Jenny, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Who's like, I don't want to interact with the actors. Yeah. I just, well, I'm a then, voyeur. I just want to watch. Then you're the, an audience member. Yeah, you don't... And, and our, our cast is really great at, mm-hmm. at reading signals, and they're not going to, like, force their their show, you know, anything on you, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's for people who... I mean, people identify themselves right away. If they're ready to go, they're ready to go. And the right. actors will come up and... <laughs> they put on the pink wig, and they're yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know who those people are. The people are hanging back. Like we respect that, and 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 that is really. I'm, I'm not. I'm afraid to come because. <laughs> well, the, the, the for me, like at the end of the day, the cabaret main stage is amazing, fantastic cabaret performers. We have sword swallowers and drag queens and dancers and comedians. I'm and a sword swallowing like, drag queen. Does that right? Mean, right? <laughs> yes, I've been given that title before. Um, but, but the uh, if you wanted to, you could go sit in the cabaret and watch what is in effect a fantastic variety show, and cool. not. Necessarily Necessarily pull yourself out into that immersive world, so you can you control how deep you want to go into the immersive side. All right, nitty Wait. gritty. How often are the uh, productions? Shows, uh, the shows. How do we get tickets? All that stuff. Tickets at tbdimmersive.com. Uh, and we are we have a matinees matinees on Sunday, one today. As soon as we finish here, we're going to mm-hmm. run right to that. Okay. Industry night is tomorrow. Uh, for anybody that wants to join us, the code for industry night to get uh, the cheapest tickets that are available is industry. You can get those at our website. Uh, that'll give you $35 tickets. Not to be confused with our show <laughs> yeah. on Mondays at the Line Hotel called Industry Night. But <laughs> <laughs> nice going, <laughs> so Great names, <laughs> perfect names, good cross-branding. Great. It's All wonderful. Right. And yeah. uh, is uh, a, a Lisa Turner, one of the great up-and-coming PR mavens of she our generation. She is just amazing. Man, she's just like done such just great shaking. work. Yeah. I don't know just, her. I'm just I've never, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's just yeah. stunning work. Yeah, yeah. Stunning work. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks. Thank, Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. It sounds we'll, like we'll a really fabulous experience. Right. in the underground. Donovan, back up for a couple seconds before we get to French. This is delicious, Donovan. This is like cracking a glass. This thing is unbelievable. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Potent but delicious. Can you talk more specifically about the menu up there? Because one of the things that, that some cocktail bars fall down on is, you know, there's really nothing to eat. So you can get, I mean, there's something, it's a kind of a nod to, we don't want people to just get cranked and go home. So right. what do you have up there? Because I heard the food was really good. So, you know, I, I always hear the term, um, it's a uh, fine casual dining experience. And every restaurant tries to set up what we really are. We do small plates, uh, which is made to share. We would like it to be interactive. But also the big thing is, is when you're dealing Wait, with a... more interactive? Do you expect us to yeah. do the same thing to that share? we're doing at the other show? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. To be... Wait a right. second. Yeah. I see. Right. I see a little networking yeah, deal I do coming too. together here. Maybe we Let's do an interactive cocktail. <laughs> do you believe, Donovan, that a rose by any other name would smell as sweet? I'm mean, just asking. <laughs> Only yeah. if it's my rose, but right, it's fine. Um, so tell I me know. about what specifically are, are the small plates. So the small plates, we have uh, Sarah Spanish tuna. We have crab cake sliders. We have a pretzel. Um, we... It's just right now the menu is meant to be kind of on the smaller side. There's salads in there for vegetarian options. There's uh, a pimento cheese dip, which is also delicious as well. Mm-hmm. And our menu is seasonal. So we're going to put on a couple new items in there uh, as the short rope sliders. It's going to go in there now. Yeah. All, right. All right. So what are you making next? <laughs> Wait. 
Donovan. Oh, oh so this is the uh, the, fi the final act for you guys. Yeah. This will be a little bit of uh, good American bourbon from Buffalo Trace, Grand Marnier, and cool. some bitters with a Demerara sugar. So it'll be on the bigger side okay. to end, kind of like a dessert for your cocktails, because everything you've had has been a little bit light so far. Excellent. Okay. okay. All Great. right. Well, now I'm going to do the Olympics theme. We have a U.S. national <laughs> champion. In the house. Oh, baby. Yeah, oh, baby. Oh, baby is French right. Scott Marshall is the head bartender at 5 to 1. He was recently named by uh, Zagat as one of the hottest new... Uh, it was named uh, by Zagat as one of the hottest new bars in D.C. And he is in the Global Bacardi Legacy Cocktail Competition. And I said he's U.S. national champion because he's already kicked and taken names across the U.S. How are you, man? I'm feeling great. You look like yeah, a champion. I know. You're dressed like a champion. This you is radio, are. and you look studly. So, so French, tell us, tell, give us your background. How did you, how'd you get here? Um, well, your mother's here. I want to say, did she right, start you on cocktails? Right. Wait, did she start you on cocktails when you were like five? Is that <laughs> right. what? Well, like in a, in an odd way, yeah. Because um, oh boy, all right, mom. You're going away. It, it's like it, it kind of runs in the family. Like I grew up watching my grandfather put a lot of time and uh, effort into the what he was going to enjoy before and maybe after dinner. Um, so, yeah, I've 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 been aware of um, people, uh, grown ups enjoying alcohol and um, and definitely the enjoying part was an emphasis for me. It wasn't you so know. So what like, brought you? So when did you get behind the bar? Um. I was 21. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's a good thing because if okay. you've been 20, yeah, you I started, know, but, okay, so, <laughs> I started in the industry at 18 okay. at um, the park at 14th, and I worked there for seven years. Tessa's bat mitzvah was there. Oh. It was. That was a real cluster, floors. too. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what year was that? It was... 2015. 2015. I was there. Were you, you there? Were there? Uh, was that yeah. you serving no. my <laughs> no. Um, no, but so, but when did you like? Now that you're competing and you're doing other things in the cocktail industry, when did that spark hit you? When did it go from um, just making drinks to making cocktails? Uh, so I left the park because I had really gotten into personal training, and mm -hmm. uh, the timing of my schedule there didn't really allow me to wake up at 6 a.m. and uh, kick people's butts. So I um, left to work at Denton Liquor Bar, and mm -hmm. I started working there mm -hmm. while I was training. And the more I started working there, the more I fell in love with cocktails, and the mm -hmm. less I was training until I wasn't training. I was just making cocktails. And so after two years working there, I mm -hmm. um, started like exploring uh, the guild and other educational opportunities as a bartender. And... Um, yeah. Well, so let me, we've got about two minutes before we go to commercial. How did that lead to Bacardi Legacy? Right. Um, so when I left Denton, it was uh, my birthday um, over like a year and a half ago. And um, I went to my first bartender meeting in uh, New York. And the person teaching the first class I went to was Trevor Fry. Oh. He was talking about this new concept called Five to One. And I left thinking I want to work here. And uh, this is definitely what I want to do with my life. He's listening right now, by the way. He's already commented a, a bunch of times on oh, Facebook. Oh, baby. He's <laughs> in Phoenix right now representing <laughs> us as, like, one of the top 30 bars, like, internationally. Trevor French was exciting. saying how much he admires and adores you, by the way. Yeah, but, you know, put the um, some truth to the idea that thoughts have intentions. Uh, he called me when I didn't have his number a couple months later and was like, I want you to work at my bar. And I was like, hell, um, yes, I would love to. Right. And, uh, you can yeah. say hell on the show. 
That's oh, it, though. Don't not... go any further. So why don't we do this? Let's break here. Let's go to commercial. We come back and want to hear about the competition and what's in, involved there. Okay? Right. Yes, sir. All right. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We got a champion in studio. We'll be back in just a sec. So, French. Bacardi Legacy. It's this global competition. How, do how you, did you, how how did you, you sign in? up for that? Yeah, how'd you get in on it? Uh, so, one of my first things, uh, working at 5 to 1, I uh, was there when we interviewed our first new hire, and that was Will. And he was from New Orleans. Turns out Will was a national finalist in Bacardi Legacy last year, and I overheard his conversation with him with someone else oh, that he, he must be ticked with. off now, huh? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been, uh, he's been great. But uh, they were talking about Legacy. I asked him what it was, and I said, I think I'll try that out. So yeah. what do you need to do in order to be a part of this? Like, what's required? So it starts out with, like, an online submission, and you come up with a story that um, reflects your personal history um, and is inspired by uh, the history of Bacardi. Um, and you create a story, I mean, a cocktail based on um, your history, and it's something that could be recreated. You submit that online. And is that what we're drinking? And that's what you're drinking. So what is it, and how does it relate to your history? Um, Kogi Beach. So uh, my parents both spent a great deal of time in St. Thomas, mm-hmm. and um, we uh, left St. Thomas just before Hurricane Hugo. So I was actually born in uh, Washington D.C. Smart but move, mom. Mm-hmm. That's right um, that's where um, you know things would have started out otherwise. And my mom actually bathed every day with me while she was pregnant on Kogi Beach, and so my cocktail was inspired by the traditions of rum and my island roots, and. Um, so you have a variation on a daiquiri that's using uh, toasted coconut, allspice, and lime flavors that have been enjoyed in the Caribbean for hundreds of years. And you're uh, remixing the daiquiri with uh, uh, Bacardi Ocho, which is an aged rum as opposed to a white rum. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's a richer, yeah. darker rum? Richer, darker rum aged mm-hmm. in oak barrels. Um, so it's like beautiful for sipping. And you get uh, those vanilla notes from the char. And the toasted coconut is perfect for highlighting those. And then what you sprinkle on top? Nutmeg or uh, cinnamon? It's actually just a little bit of cinnamon. Okay. You know, really to um, bridge the baking spice notes of the Bacardi Ocho and the allspice. So when you participate in the competition, you submit your story. But then do you go and, and get on stage and participate? How, how do they do the actual competition? So when you submit, and is it regional first? It's regional. So okay. when you submit, you choose a region. There's mm-hmm. eight regions total in the country, and there's hundreds of applicants for each region, and they choose eight people per region. Mm-hmm. So my region was Boston. I went up there and I competed, and I ended up winning. So after that, you move on to the national stage, and that's when they um, mm-hmm. add another component, which is marketing, and that's uh, creating awareness for your cocktail. Uh, within the industry, out of the industry, there's a creativity component, and you're really out there to um, show the world what your cocktail is and your, share your legacy with them. But you're also sort of an ambassador for the spirit, aren't you? I mean, it's it's sort of a dual purpose, right? Absolutely. So you're an ambassador for the spirit, but uh, through the legacy of your cocktail and your personal story. Mm-hmm. So you're not just promoting Bacardi. You're actually promoting this cocktail that hopefully will one day go down like the Daiquiri or the Presidente or a Cuba Libre as a the thing. As a cocktail, all those were created. So that anybody could go into a restaurant and order it, right? Absolutely. That's what we're hoping for. So what's the next step? Um, The next step is um, I was successful in marketing on the national level. And so now it's to take it global. It's to put it on menus around the world. It's uh, to show everybody what Koki Beach is and Mm -hmm. uh, give them a little taste of the islands. But I thought, isn't there another competition? Yeah. In May? In May is the final on stage. Okay, so what is that? 
and that is similar to nationals, but um, there's 30 um, competitors from around the world that will all be competing on stage. And before you get to that point, there's a marketing presentation as well, where you kind of um, show how successful you were in, in so branding you yourself and your like, cocktail. You have to present a whole thing, or is it just you making a cocktail? How does it work? No, there's a, there's a PowerPoint presentation okay. that you give um, for Bacardi and kind of show them um, how successful you were in marketing yourself in the cocktail. And once you get through that gauntlet, then you're on stage That's and you get like to share your tank. story. It's really cool. <laughs> that is cool. Very exciting. Right. Now, I can't remember. You're traveling today. Are you traveling today because of something with your drink? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm heading to uh, Chicago for the Causing a Stir Gala, mm-hmm. and um, I'll be featuring the Cokie Beach cocktail there. Well, let's all cheers to the Cokie Ooh, Beach. Yeah, yeah welcome, really welcome to Cokie Beach, y'all. Let's schedule this. Everybody, order a Cokie Beach. So, I already drank Donovan's like, and I'm, I'm good. It's on my menu. It's all done. Yeah, and it's, um, it's currently available at Service Bar, Hank's Cocktail Bar, 801 uh, Restaurant and Bar, 5 to 1, and A Rose. Okay. So all over the city, you can find a Cokie Beach. All right, great. Well, thank you so much. We wish you the best of luck. We can't wait to hear what the next step is. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. And to find it at Whiskey Charlie. There, yeah. yeah. Oh, baby. As soon as French comes into my bar, absolutely. I visit him way too much. (laughs) All right. So, Donovan, we got about uh, 90 90 seconds here. Okay. This This drink, first of all, the glass is stunning. Do you guys make your own ice? Do you... So currently right now, we do not make our own ice. We're going to move towards doing that, doing the whole handcrafted ice. We're kind of focusing more on speed and efficiency and making the best possible product without looking at, you know, the additional details towards that. I mean, given the kind of concept you are, even though you have your eye on the craft and serving really quality drinks, you're also going to be come summertime. Yeah, you're going to be jammed. You know, so like you have to you have to be efficient as well as. Excellent. You know, you got to combine the two. You know, also, I, I feel like people are, are patient, but only up to. Yeah, so nobody much wants to wait 15 to minutes for a drink. Yeah, exactly. Nobody. So, you know, it'll be fine. Right, exactly. All right. All right. So <laughs> tell everybody, please, where they can find you. So I actually have it right here. Okay, good. Um, we're on <laughs> 975 7th Street Southwest. But the easier way to do it is we're on the 10th floor of the Canopy Hotel. So They're, where is that on the wharf? Is that which end is it on or is it in the middle? So it's right at the end. At the entrance to phase one. As soon as okay, you come so we're in. Okay, Hank's Oyster Bar, um, that side? Right, on on that side. Okay. But we're, but we're, you're we're up. yeah, we're 10 floors above them. So you're yeah. 10? Rotating right. the, the circular door around right. the corner from Hank's. Okay, right. we can't hear that unless you say that into the mic. Go into the rotating <laughs> door around the corner from the from Hank's. Okay, okay. go up. And it's right upstairs. Right. All right. right. All right, Donovan. And there's Thank a you. button that says Whiskey Charlie, so you can't miss it. It literally can... says it. Just like hit the button. Okay, we yeah. can't wait to go and see you there. Thank and, uh, you so up, much. Awesome. Thank you. Up top, it just says lobby, because by that point, it's the only word you'll be able to read. <laughs> All right. So I have a little announcement to make. Everybody knows, I hope, Fresh Farm Markets. They uh-huh. are the preeminent, along with Central Farm Markets, uh, Fresh Farm Markets uh, in, in the city. Uh-huh. And Fresh Farm is doing a big fundraiser. I hope all of you are old enough to remember the band Sticks from the late 70s and early 80s. They had songs like Lady and Come Sail Away and Babe. The best of times. The one that everybody remembers is Mr. Roboto, Domo Arigato. I know, but we're not Mr. supposed to talk about Robot. that one. Why not? I don't know. There's, don't something, know. there's know. something with that Anyways, one. Anyways, Sticks is doing a benefit concert for Fresh Farm Markets at Strathmore Hall on Rockville Pike in, in Bethesda on February 28th. Tickets are just $25. All the proceeds from the night will benefit uh, Fresh Farm. And a very famous local personality is emceeing the show. 
That's me. That's right. Because I will not be doing that with him at all. I'll be singing with sticks. Uh, I'm only going to wear a Speedo. It should be really interesting and exciting. But most importantly, it is a fundraiser for Fresh Farm Markets, and we are a huge supporter of them. They do uh, over 15 markets in the D.C. metro area. Um, Right now, there's just two markets up and running, Silver Spring and DuPont. But once spring hits, they'll be launching all their markets, and they really provide fresh and fabulous food to everybody in the D.C. community. And uh, this kind of fundraiser is something that really helps them uh, affect change in uh, Yeah, they have a lot of programs in the the D.C. school system Mm -hmm. for families that are challenged uh, economically and all of that. They're a great, great, great organization. And uh, a lot of tickets are sold. This place seats, I think... It's at Strathmore. At Strathmore Hall. Strathmore seats about 1,600... And 50 people, and I think 1,250, 1,300 tickets are sold. But come so. on, we'll all go out there. We'll cheer on David. We'll all yell for him like he's actually singing. And then Strix will go and play. <laughs> that sounds very nice. I think it's pretty nice. Uh, also, because we've got one more second, Sticks, when they were done being Sticks, or maybe in the middle of it, they went out and they replicated Beatles songs uh, from Sgt. Pepper. They did I Am the Walrus that I heard them do live. Every note, same instruments, every every vocal, every everything, absolutely dead on to the Beatles. And I, uh, they're going to try and talk them into doing some of that, too, because it's just mind-blowing. All right. So you can check that out at freshfarm.org to buy tickets for that. We want to thank all of our guests for joining us today. It was really a delicious show. You can watch it all on Facebook Live. And, of course, you can download it and listen to it on podcast as well. Next week is going to be equally delicious. Haider Karoom is coming in talking about... That guy? Yes. He's coming in to talk about Chloe. his new Chloe and the new Bar Morris. We'll be shaking up drinks from them as well. Again, we want to thank all of our guests for joining us in studio today. We hope everybody has a delicious week.